0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. This is the Digitally Uploaded podcast, and I'm Matt Sainsbury. I'm the editor-in-chief of DigitallyDownloaded.net. With me this week, we have two people. Harvard. Hello, Harvard. Morning, hey, guys. And we have Ginny. Hello, Ginny.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: All good, all good. Getting straight into it. Uh, the news of the week, I guess for me, the highlight of the week was Hyaki Castle, which is a game probably nobody's heard of, but it kind of came out on PC and didn't create much of a splash, unfortunately. But it's a really, really, really good dungeon crawler uh, about Japanese mythology and and yokai and all that kind of cool stuff. And it's quite a dark kind of dungeon crawler. And it is coming to console, which is a really good thing. I think dungeon crawlers work better on console. And I think it will get a better audience there. So I'm very excited for this. This comes out at the end of the month. It was announced and not long away to wait, which is really good. Um, And very excited for that. I don't know if either of you have heard of Hyakki Castle, but I would highly recommend you look into it now that I've told you about it. (laughs) What about you, (laughs) Ginny? What's that? I only vaguely know about it. Okay, well, now you can read the review on digitallydownloaded.net because it's a very <laughs> good review that I've already written uh, off the PC version, and then you can look forward to me raving about it a bit more, I guess, once I get my hands on the console version. It's coming out on PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch, and we all know that means everybody's going to get the Switch version because got to play it portable. So, Ginny, what about you? What's your highlight of the news of the week?
2: Cool. My highlight, uh, my... Um... My, I'm hungover. <laughs> My news of the week um, is Cecilia's story. Cecilia Anastasio over at Kotaku, basically having put out an article after six months of investigative, I guess, investigating, <laughs> putting out an article about the workplace practices at Riot Games and how, uh, aside from the glaring corporate culture issues that are at Riot Games that influence HR stuff, the element of sexism and harassment that also underscores that, so big expose for a very big company that's currently on the, you know, I guess, on the verge of doing very big things and expanding its franchising system. So um, it looks like so far a lot of people that work at Riot have acknowledged that this sexism and stuff is real and that they understand and are trying to work with the company to change it. So a response from Riot so far has been well not horrific. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll watch the space. We'll see if this is sort of the purge moment that Riot needed to pull its head out of the ground and to actually start changing the way its culture works. But, yeah, no, check it out. I think it's really interesting to read.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, true story. I actually applied to a job at Riot once upon a time many years ago now. And while I'm not a woman, obviously, uh, and didn't have to deal with the sexism stuff, a lot of what was actually written about the recruitment process in that expose, I can confirm, is... Quite true because a lot of it applies to, I guess everybody that must apply to Riot because it's a pretty crappy company and never play League of
1: Legends. Harvard, <laughs> Harvard. Uh, what about you? What's your news story of the week? All well, to start off a year after playing, a year after quitting League of Legends, um, <laughs> hearing that news is like interesting. I'm glad I'm out. Um, <laughs> My news is there's a soft launch this week for this puzzle game. I think just on tablets and mobiles called uh, Valleys Between, and that's Mm -hmm. a game developed by a New Zealand developer called Little Lost Fox, and it is kind of like this world-building hex puzzle game, and it just looks really, really gorgeous. So if you if you need something to play on the go, and you've just got like a tablet or a phone, and you're I think it's only in Australia, New Zealand though, um, be sure to take a look at that.
0: Yes, and support New Zealand developers. Yeah. They're in such a tiny corner of the earth, they need all the support they can get.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right. So we're going to get to some music. And uh, because Alan's not on the podcast this week to moderate what music I choose, I have picked the song that is going to annoy him the most when he's editing this. And hi, Alan, um, I'm sorry, not sorry for this, but this is what happens when I research music quite drunk at midnight, the night before. So enjoy. And we are going to go and come back and talk about. We'll talk about something. We're not quite sure
3: it's just yet.
0: Welcome back, everybody. So, for the we're first part of the podcast turn. this week, we are going to talk about gone. something not so pleasant. I promised later on in the podcast we talk about really cool things like uh, Bullet Girls Fantasia, and you're going to want to stick around for that conversation. But <laughs> we're going to get the serious topic out of the way first. We are going to talk about hunting. Hunting games are... Well, they're prevalent, to say the least. I think there was a new one that was announced this week, a proper serious hardcore hunting simulator. Um, Obviously, Monster Hunter is a hunting game um, by default. It's in the name. That's why it's called Hunter. Um, And yeah, I mean hunting mini games are a big part of just about every open world experience that you can buy, especially if it's from Ubisoft or Enix or whatever. Um, and I wanted to talk about it because I can't stand hunting. <laughs> I think I think hunting is the worst sport, and I put that in inverted commas. It's not a sport, it's a joke. Uh, I think it is. I think it's disgusting. And I think these games are disgusting. And while it's easy enough to ignore a hunting simulator because that's what it is um one of the things that really frustrates me is games like tomb raider or like far cry or whatever that put hunting as a mini game or a side thing into their games and then effectively force you to do it if you want to get progression through the game Uh, they lock important upgrades behind your ability to kill animals and get the pelts and whatever um and without it you could probably still finish the game but it becomes very difficult and i really don't like that if you're going to put hunting into a game as uh that's not a hunting game if you're going to put it in as a side quest side story side mission whatever you want to call it then make it genuinely optional because it's going to piss me off if i have to play it <laughs> and yeah that's that's not cool people should have the choice whether they want to indulge in hunting because it's not it's not a pleasant sport for a lot of people and that's my my thoughts Ginny what about you um, uh, Where do you stand on hunting games?
2: Uh, well for me it's kind of like a for me it's like a size thing that makes it a hunting game so I don't like hunting simulator because you're hunting defenseless animals. But I'm okay with Monster Hunter World, where I'm trying to defend myself against a a giant, fire-breathing dragon lizard that's literally killed me like 69 times already. Well, just walk away from it. You can't. Look, when you post the quest, they chase after you. They're very, 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 very persistent. Well, that's bad quest design then, isn't it? And, like, I understand as well. Like, the problem is, though, like, I say this now and try and, like, justify, you know, being okay with it. But, like, towards the end of a hunt, when you weaken the monster, it starts running away. And by then, I've had enough of that monster's shit that I'm just like, you know what? Fuck you. Don't run away from me. So <laughs> I go over there into its house and finish the job. So
1: <laughs> Into its house.
2: Yeah, well, because it runs back to its home and it tries to rest. And you're like, no, you die here <laughs> in your own bed. So, um, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> as awful as that sounds, I don't think it's at all, like, playing hunting simulator, like you know, the one where you shoot deer or rabbits or bears or whatever. Like I feel like the monster hunting thing is a completely different realm because A, they out they, they are out there to kill you. And like, you know, they just do casual drive bys on your on your on your home as and when they feel like it. Like you need to just, there's there's an element there of of defense. Admittedly, as part of the game, you're said about to take it too far. Um but, I mean, the game does ask you to capture monsters for studying instead. And, like, you're like, oh, you know, it's not so bad. And then you come back and then the research is like, well, we were done with it. So here's half a lung. And I'm like, oh, shit, you killed it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Monster Hunter is a game that I think recognizes that dissonance between, I guess, wanting to keep the world, you know, that the whole, you know, Kumbaya ecosystem thing and the killing. I think it gets a dissonance and it kind of tries to address that humorously, but kind of falls flat. I guess what I'm trying to say is I hunt monsters, not deer. So I have that mental distinction whereby a deer is a sad small animal that I must protect, but a fire-breathing monster I must attack. (laughs) there you go.
0: (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it, because we don't actually talk much about um, Monster Hunter as a hunting game, um, and people who might, like yourself, might have an issue with hunting don't seem to have an issue with monster hunter. Mm -hmm. And I mean, probably a big part of it is that these things are more modeled after, I guess the kind of the dragons of fantasy fantasy and whatever they, they are actually monsters and monster always implies, um, something distinct from the natural world as such. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of where the world monster, the word monster comes from. It, It implies that it's not natural. Therefore, as something that's unnatural, it's okay to kill it. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting way that they put that distinction in there. I've certainly played a lot of monster hunting games in the past. I don't have the same resistance to playing them that I have with um, Cabela's hunting simulator or whatever that crap's called. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm certainly aware that it is still effectively a hunting game as such. Mm. I haven't played Monster Hunter World, I must admit. I played the ones on the DS a lot. It's prettiest a lot. Um,
2: yeah, they're like. A I'm also terrible. I'm one. also
0: really terrible at the game, so I kind of <laughs> give up on them very quickly. I I can't actually even kill one of those jaggy things um, by myself. I need somebody to walk me through those games, and I think I test the patience of pretty much anybody I'm playing <laughs> with. So I always feel bad. I feel like I'm I'm like the 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 reason that the team loses. So I always give up. That's that's just me. Harvard, what about you? uh yeah. i'm sure you're a huge fan of the hunting games right I, mean,
1: <laughs> to start off, I think it's interesting in monster hunter because the hunting there is so mechanically difficult and challenging it's kind of like the monsters are huge and it's there's so much strategy involved whereas i i find it weird playing a hunting game if you're just like tracking a moose or something and it's kind of standing around and you just you just shoot it and then i i, I don't see how people can derive satisfaction from that i mean they have that as a side thing in a lot of games like i know that i was playing a lot of just cause the other day and there's just some animals like there's moose and stuff or, or not moose, deer i think and they just kind of chill around and if you want to you can shoot them but i think like why would you ever want to do that and to <laughs> say with a game like far cry they they have i think buffalo or something and they give you achievements for shooting them and I just think like why why would anyone want to do that
0: yeah and you've got to do that with far cry to get good upgrades and stuff um, yeah. from memory. One of the things I liked about Dynasty Warriors 9 was it did have hunting in there, but it was really genuinely optional and you weren't disadvantaging yourself if you didn't go and you know track down tigers and stuff. Mm. Uh, I like that. And I, I like when, I, I've got no problem with developers putting those kinds of mechanics in there for people that I guess like them, but
1: I, I do prefer when they are completely optional. One thing that's actually, interesting... um, one exception to that rule, I don't know if you've played the original sleeping dogs, but there's cockfighting in that game. And to to their credit, they've like hit it really, really well. It's like on like some gambling den on the side of the map like, It's impossible to find. But when you get there, you can get achievements for winning money in cockfights, and I'm just thinking like, I, I really, really wish this was not in this game. Like I know this whole like Chinese triad gangster <laughs> theming, but please, like why did you put this in here?
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, it's funny. One one thing I did want to mention is I don't have the same issue with fishing games. In fact, I really like fishing games. I have quite a few of them, and that includes the kind of the more serious ones, like um, oh, what is it called, Rapala? Rapala, I think, is the fish. Like it's the actual fishing line. Fishing manufacturer, and then they have a series of games that's named after it, licensed after it. Anyway, I, I actually play those kinds of serious fishing games, but I think in my head canon, I release the fish after catching them. I don't actually, I don't, I don't eat them. Um, so I, I guess that's kind of where I logic my way around, so I can actually enjoy those games. I don't know. I like fishing. Fishing's good. In real life, I can't catch a fish to save my life. So I never had to make that choice about whether to actually put it back in the water or not. They just, I I can't catch them. They don't like me or something. But yeah, fishing fishing games I'm cool with, hunting games I'm not. And Monster Mm. Hunter, I don't know. I still think you should just move on, you know,
2: relocate. It's not that easy when there's a giant like island-sized monster about to on like a collision course with your island about to kill you. Like, you can't relocate the island. It's not that easy.
0: You could if you wanted to, Jeannie. That's the thing. If there, so- if there was enough of the desire there, you'd be able to. I think that's it.
1: There's a certain localization of how far would you go to not hunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
2: Monster, <laughs> anti, anti-hunter world. <laughs> just like.
3: Just
0: <laughs> on that note, we'll go to some music, and we'll come back, and we'll
4: talk about something very different. So I walketal 家に帰ると妻が必ず死んだふりをしていますある日は頭に矢が刺さってたり家に帰ると結婚前は忙しくても彼女に会うだけで楽しかった家に
0: and welcome back everybody i hope you enjoyed that that was some more vocaloid music again because alan's not around i have all the power of control over which music tracks are played and i'm going all vocaloid this week he is going to hate me for this um so for the second section of the podcast, we wanted to talk about something that I think a lot of people don't really think about when it comes to, to Japanese games. And that's uh, the sense of spirituality that is running through a lot of them or most of them or an awful lot of them anyway. Um, and that kind of came because firstly, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Hyakki Castle was announced for consoles. And that's a game that's very heavily rooted in uh, Japanese spiritual tradition and mythology. And also, Okami was released on the Nintendo Switch, about the tenth time that that game's been released on some platform or another, and nobody ends up buying it. But please, please buy it this time around, because it really is that good, and it really finally deserves to, to be a commercial hit for Capcom. They keep releasing it. Hopefully the Switch version does well. Um, But those games are both really good examples, I guess, of the Shinto faith being represented through a video game. And it's a religion that we don't think about a lot outside of Japan because it isn't present outside of Japan. It is basically a a Japan-only kind of faith. And a lot of people who go to Japan don't really recognize the difference. I think a lot of times between Shinto and Buddhism, um, which are the two dominant religions over there, but they are very different. And Shinto is a very ancient religion. And I think the way it shows up in video games a lot is that a core belief for Shinto is that everything has some kind of spiritual force to it, whether it's a living or inanimate object. Uh, there's some kind of spirit, spiritual power in it, and that often manifests, manifests itself through um, animal, spirit, spiritual animals, and um, you know all all of that kind of stuff. So when you see fox motifs um, throughout Japan, that is um, that is the, the Shinto faith. Um, talking and even you can kind of trace back to even Japan's love of mascots uh, as an as I guess a a manifestation of that idea that everything has some kind of spiritual power between behind it and some kind of personality and some kind of um, uh, relatable um, uh, uh, again personality so I don't know. Is that something? that I mean, when you've been playing these kinds of games, uh, especially something like Okami, do you ever get? Do you ever kind of stop and think about the 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 way it kind of presents a spirituality?
1: Um, to me, I find what's interesting is that you get a sense that there's no traditional good or evil in a lot of games like this. It's more kind of the spiritual world has its own intentions and its own um interpretations of what's happening and the humans will have a different interpretation and so there's a conflict born there that's not always the same things that we see in western games where it's like we're the good guys we shoot the bad guys it's like it makes for a much more interesting narrative experience um i actually haven't played okami it's currently downloading right now oh my <laughs> uh, well no it's downloading you know okay next week i'll be fixed but um one of the firsts <laughs> Uh, Shinto inspired games I played was actually uh, as a review for Jujutsu Download called 99 Spirits, and also this game about inanimate objects developing, I guess, becoming possessed by spirits and then having to actually talk to them and figure out like what are their desires and then actually try to fix that. And that's something that I've always wanted out of a game to really flesh out that idea of. I guess almost being like a spirit detective so you're going around the countryside and there's these things that there's the spirits that have troubles and you fix them and it's they'll be so great everyone play that it'd be awesome and it's interesting
0: that you mentioned the the kind of the morality because one of the things um for instance my my wife is japanese always tell always compares her religion to is the kind of the greek gods of old where they kind of i mean in our modern religions we see you know the the god as the all-perfect kind of being or at least that's certainly the way of the judeo-christian tradition but to shinto and to the kind of the old greek gods and all that kind of stuff um they weren't perfect beings in themselves they had their own um passions they had their own uh flaws character flaws and all of that kind of stuff so yeah you definitely see through um, through a lot of Japanese games that are inspired by Shinto Faith that the god creatures are not um, are not perfect beings in themselves and not necessarily good for humanity. Um, I think a good example of that, which is also coming out on the Nintendo Switch soonish, I believe, in the West, is uh, God Wars, which is a tactics RPG. And I recommend anybody who's interested in um, Shinto Faith check that one out as well because it's actually very much uh inspired by what we're talking about as well what about you Ginny um any particular games kind of stand out for you as something that has educated you or made you interested in the Shinto faith
2: um yeah well I am I'm I'm a Buddhist um so uh, I've always been kind of aware of, of the Shinto faith from I guess maybe like an ac- academic interest perspective because the Buddhism that's practiced in Singapore is not really, I guess, fundamentally traditional Buddhism as it is from England. I think I'm from England, sorry, from India. Jeez, from England. <laughs> oh no. Um, <laughs> from, from India. It's not like it's not like traditional Buddhism in a way. And I think that the, the practices that we have um in some of I guess that part of Asia. I think they we do kind of take into account and do think about some of what the Shinto faith thinks about, which is not so much just Buddhism by being altruistic, but also Buddhism through rituals and you know honoring and celebrating the, the existence of you know the forces that kind of control nature. Or I said in our know, Shinto law and Shinto religion to to be to contribute to nature. Um, and surprisingly, this is a game that Matt uh, has played and has stopped playing like a fool uh it's final fantasy 14 the the latest expansion stormblood actually has um a a boss fight with susano um who i believe um in in shinto lore if that's the right way to say what it is he is the shinto god of the sea and the storms and the boss fight i guess involves him channeling the seas and the storms against you but also i think the the, the part of the part of that game and its newest expansion that really kind of ties together all the, the shinto stuff about about gods and, and not you know gods not being i guess black and white and your your wife's comparison to the greek gods i guess um this obviously huge spoilers but it, you know it's it's gonna happen yeah it's like a side quest thing it's not um uh, integral to, to i guess the main story but what what really happens is you you come across these animals, um, so some really really cute animals like like you know tiny turtles and tiny foxes and stuff, and you meet them and they bring you you kind of fight your way through this volcanic underground dungeon filled with these cute animals. You're like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, what's going on? You get to the very end and there's this the animals have built a shrine, so there's like a shrine that that looks like I guess your stereotypical um, um, Shinto Shinto shrine. And the animals explain to you that they are animals that have um, lived an existence uh, so so fraught with with I guess trauma and good and bad that at a certain age they've ascended and they've become spirits, and now their job as animals is to traverse the world and to try and protect it from the other forces and the other anima and the other animals around it that have all that all have differing wants and needs and and lusts and passions so basically you get like a troop of tiny raccoons and what they're trying to do is they're trying to, to I guess enforce their one brand of what they see is the best outcome for the world versus I don't know the, the sect of tiny tigers or the sect of tiny foxes kind of thing so I found that interesting like the way that um that whole sort of questline is really about how and it's really about the dangerous danger as well of deifying one particular thing because it kind of talks about how one animal friend of theirs was worshipped as a god solely by one cult and then they became too powerful and too crazy and too destructive and so there's a whole questline there about managing i guess the good and the evil within you and how no one is really good or evil it's all just about how your actions are perceived within the world and what you do so yeah I thought that was quite interesting.
0: Hmm, it is. Um, it's still not enough to convince me to go back oh, to Final Fantasy Oh, come on. 14. They're so
2: cute, man. <laughs> Think about all the uh, tiny turtles going, we're doing this for the good of the universe. They're so cute. Come back. I
0: wish I, wish I had the time for that game.
2: Yeah.
0: It would be nice. Mm. MMOs, they're terrible like that. But on that note, we'll go to some more music. And... Um, incidentally i think i actually it's my belief anyway that the the whole vocaloid thing actually comes in part from that uh, shinto view of the world because if you think about it um <laughs> no I, i've got a theory about this um if you think about How it we, we're going places we are if, if you think about it we had music or we had software that had a voice in the past you know they had the, you know for example the Apple, um, spreadsheet oh sorry the word processor was able to read back the text that you typed in and that was you know decades and decades ago it was only um you know when they came up with some technology in Japan and their first thought was to give that technology that bit of software uh, a character um and you know a personality as such and that's where you know vocaloids came from effectively I think that is actually something that is that is a kind of a it could only come from a country that had a religion like shinto where for thousands of years people have been taught to kind of see personality in everything that they kind of you know experience in the world so yeah that's anyway that's my theory um we'll go to some more vocaloid music uh and we'll come back and we'll talk about something very different <laughs> I'm and welcome back everybody so for the last part of our podcast this week we are going to talk about a game that is that is mind-blowing in a way um <laughs> Gin- Ginny and I have both been playing uh, a game that was released in English in Asian markets not in Western markets because it would be banned pretty much instantly across the board in Western markets uh the game is called Bullet Girls Fantasia it's a PlayStation 4 exclusive I think maybe there's a Vita version I don't know um we've been playing it on PlayStation 4 and it comes to us from the same mob that brought us Onin Chab- Oni Chanbara, and uh, Schoolgirls Zombie Hunter but it makes those games look pretty <laughs> tame by pretty tame by comparison this game this game um is pretty eye-opening, and I think we both agree on that, and that's coming from people that have basically played everything that's pervy out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one still managed to impress us with how far it was able to take stuff without actually going all the way into, you know, actual pornographic games, I think. Um, This one pushes right up against the line, I think, is the best way to put it.
2: Yeah, uh, it's a, it's very it you know there's a lot of pushing um, <laughs> and a lot of um, a lot of strategically placed uh, straps of clothing um, to not just to, pushing also lots of prodding too yeah there's prodding there's a lot of uh, eating and a lot of milk so I think if we just put all these elements together that might give you an idea of what bullet girl's Fantasia is like but when Matt <laughs> told me to get it i i actually i didn't want to spoil myself so i didn't look at anything i didn't watch any trailers before i bought it i just thought i trust matt intrinsically um <laughs> even though we have a very we had a very heated disagreement about about whether or not obai was great i i think it's great matt not so much but even though we disagree on what we find most attractive on anime women <laughs> I thought, you know what? Matt's a great editor, great guy. I trust his opinion on a good game. So I downloaded it and I was not prepared. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, nothing, actually, I'm thinking about nothing Matt could have said could have prepared me for this. Because if Matt had said that I would be playing a game whereby I have to um, gently uh, force feed ice cream uh, to a girl while also um, putting milk on her because that may be something that she gets subjected to. She's captured by enemy forces and tortured. I would have said what (laughs) and (laughs) you know and my second reaction might have been I think I've seen that video somewhere but it wasn't about a game. Um, (laughs) I think I think we
0: should probably take a step back and explain to the poor listeners have no idea what this game's about. Um, It's kind of broken up into into two things. Uh, One part of the game one half of the game is effectively dynasty warriors if dynasty warriors didn't play well and um yeah you go through levels killing hordes of orcs and skeletons and slimes and all those kind of you know fantasy staples on your way to a boss battle or whatever and yeah you've each of your characters is uh, has a gun or most of the characters have a gun and yeah it, it's kind of a mix between shooter and dynasty warriors and then the second part of the game and we think that this is actually the part of the game they developed first and then created the dynasty warriors thing just to give them an excuse to put it into something is a kink torture mini game is the best way to describe it so you've captured a character and to get them to join your team you need to subject them to poking prodding force feeding of ice creams and other circular objects, (laughs) um, cylinders, you know, kind of cylinder-shaped objects, very suspiciously cylinder-shaped. You get to squirt them with water pistols and all that kind of stuff. Um, And funnily enough, all of that stuff is not really stuff that hasn't been in games before. Um, They do have, like, if if you play enough Compole Heart games, for example, you'll come across most of these kinds of mechanics. Um, But Bullet girls really takes things to another level entirely and it's it really does push as far as it possibly can to still be allowed to be released on playstation um by sony because sony doesn't allow actual adult games onto the console this is about as close as you can get to an actual adult game um on the ps4 i think Oh, and the other mechanic I forgot to mention is that as the girls take damage, rather than bleeding like you'd expect from a shooter, their clothes just rip off. (laughs) I think that's probably the best way to describe it.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, but my first clue that I suppose this was a game that had the kind of story and fighting stuff designed around the sex stuff was probably when I launched it up and the game explained to me like I guess it explained the trailer well the the cutscene explained to me what was happening in the game world and it was like once upon a time elves and men locked away this giant demon underground with the help of a dragon a thousand years later the dragon's breaking out and then all of a sudden your modern day girls get thrown into a fantasy universe to help defeat the evil dragon and orcs and i was like okay they've put no effort into the plot someone clearly has just thought i thought you to get some random stuff that i found on the ground in from discarded bad storylines and use that like <laughs> there is absolutely no effort at all to actually make the plot workable make it sense. almost
0: it's almost like one of those um you know the you know how the the porn industry has all kinds of you know oh yeah satires yeah. of you know, legitimate yeah. films it's almost like it's it's kind of a porn parody of a legitimate game really um
2: yeah 100 no, <laughs> percent and i mean it was just that but i I kind of admire the fact that they're just they've just completely just unabashedly dedicated themselves to delivering this this kinky touching experience <laughs> like you know i'm like, honest, I'm, I'm honestly listen.
0: amazed that they've managed to create something that's more extreme than schoolgirl zombie hunter I really thought that that was about as far as it was going to go um this this publisher could that, I, I thought that was the limit to what the publisher was yeah. going to be able to achieve, but they yeah, managed yeah. to one-up me. So um yeah I'm I'm not going to be surprised by what this this publisher comes up with anymore. I think um, whatever comes next it's going to be somehow even more amazing.
2: Yeah I'm sure it will just be bigger and bustier. Um <laughs> but honestly like the thing with this game is if you if you if you at all think if you looked at this game and thought, you know it's got some shooting stuff. Like, I'm sure I'll enjoy the combat. Do not buy this game for the combat. Let me just tell you <laughs> that we just right now. The maps are ugly. Okay, the maps are ugly. The enemies are repetitive. They are. They pose no threat, pretty much whatsoever. Um, when you're fighting and you have the you when you fight, to the environment is very glitchy as well. Like, I think I've, I've dodged, rolled, slash thrown myself through a mountain. So you don't know how that happened, but it did. Like, they, they have not put any effort into making the game enjoyable from a combat perspective, okay? This is as bare bones as it gets. So if you think that, oh, you know, the pervy stuff kind of weirds me out, I'll just play for the shooting. There is not going to be enough shooting <laughs> to make it worth your while, okay? I just make that very clear for you. It's not a game that you can just kind of, oh, yeah, I'll play the combat. It's not one of those, like, oh, this game is mechanically sound. Who minds the pervy stuff? no. <laughs> the combat yeah. side of the game is not at all mechanically sound i'm just going to put it out there right now
0: yeah it's it's weird though because the game's fun
2: oh yeah no it's that's fun. that's the thing it, it's
0: <laughs> it, it's one of those weird things people i mean objectively you know because apparently we can look at these things objectively objectively it's a terrible game absolutely dismal um but somehow these games were fun and it's not just This one, this is the same publisher, like I said, Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter was somehow fun despite being terrible. Onichabara is somehow fun despite being terrible. Uh, Earth Defense Force, which actually comes from the same publisher, um, is terrible. But those games are a lot of fun. Those games don't have sex in them, so they tend to sell well. And um, it's kind of the major franchise, I guess, for that publisher. But, yeah, they just take these really B-grade trashy ideas and despite having absolutely no coding skill behind them, they're enjoyable. I guess that's Mm. kind of a coding skill, isn't it? Um, (laughs) But, yeah, by no standard way of looking at these games, and it's hard as a critic to talk about something like this because on the one hand, I do really enjoy it. On the other hand, um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to anybody except for you, Ginny. I knew you would (laughs) like it. I knew you would like it.
2: Yeah, well, I... I I Yeah, I mean, I actually think that I'm a very open-minded critic. You know, I review a lot of games, so i got to keep an open mind and open perspective and see the beauty in everything. And there's definitely a lot of art in this game, you know, maybe not in the environments. but There's a lot of artful animation. There's a lot of symbolism in here, even though it's not very subtle. Um, And, you know, it's just a very uplifting title. So I think if you want a good time and you don't really care about how you get there... This is the game for you. Well, they did go into a lot of effort to design the underwear. Oh, right? yeah, no, the outfits are beautifully realized. Like honestly, there's there's a lot They care perfectly. Yeah, the 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 the, mat, the the way that they've constructed the armor to look great while it's in a tattered state is impressive. The amount the attention to detail, you know, that is that that you can clearly see when your character's braziere rips. Like it's just, you know, I can tell that someone has spent so much time beautifully crafting these outfits, and I respect that. I respect that artist. So,
0: and um, I just noticed now that we're getting close towards the end of the section. Harvard hasn't actually mentioned a word this whole <laughs> section. I think Harvard's, we've scared him. <laughs> I think Harvard's googling how yeah, to erase to
1: us from the earth.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he's. Uh, I think he's got his his hands across his ears and he's just like, no, 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 no.
1: Can I just give some context? I found out about this game this morning before the podcast by watching a five minute trailer, and now I'm listening to Matt and Jenny talk about it. And can I just say, do not watch the trailer. It will ruin condensed milk for you forever.
2: Yeah. It will ruin all dairy products for you. Let's be real here. Like, let's just, yeah. Because I mean, the game ruins ice cream for you anyway. So. I was going to say it also
0: ruins ice cream, water gun fights, um what else does it ruin
2: pacifiers
0: if if your pacifiers haven't already been ruined for
1: you <laughs> um i mean let's, let's, face, it. <laughs> I mean,
2: let's face
1: it i mean depending on what you're into it probably ruins sexuality in general so
2: yeah there you go
1: yeah it's an interesting one um
0: like we said at the start if you are interested in the game after listening to us talk about it you cannot get it in the West because I think the publisher wisely realized they shouldn't bother trying to go through the classification boards of countries like Australia and New Zealand. Um, you can grab it from the Hong Kong PlayStation store in English. You just need to buy yourself some Hong Kong PlayStation credit, which you can do from various outlets. And uh, once you're there, you, you're, you're in. right. <laughs> yeah, It's actually the localization itself is actually yeah, good quality. It's not a Google Translate yeah, uh, yeah. localization. So yeah, if uh, as long as you're willing to sign up for a, a, a Hong Kong PlayStation Network, if you haven't already got one, and I recommend you do anyway because you needed that to get Dead or Alive Extreme Three. Um, mm-hmm. And you should definitely have that game. That's a good game. Um, yeah, you you can play it without any any concerns. And on that note, that's pretty much the podcast for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. As always, um, be sure to grab us on social media to chat about what we've chatted about today. Uh, and do let us know if there's anything uh, that you'd like for us to cover in a podcast. We're always looking for interesting topic ideas. So, yeah, let us know. And otherwise, we will see you all next week. Thanks for joining Harvard and Jimmy. Mm-hmm.
3: Thanks for listening.
0: Well,
1: just a little